House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. All right, everybody, we are back in the House of Mystery, and tonight we're doing it paranormal style. Listen, everybody, I've got a special guest, but first let me introduce my co-host, Julie. Julie, welcome. Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for the intro, Kevin. How are you? Hey, you know what? Right now I couldn't be doing any better, but it could also be all the stimulants. (laughs) 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 A long, busy day. Oh, Lord, yes. And it's just starting. I mean, you know, we are expanding and, you know, House of Mystery has just seen such growth here lately. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we've also picked up a brand new sponsor, and that is Legacy Food Storage. I, I'm so a they, little... Huh? What do they do, Kevin? Well, you know, I, I'm a little bit excited because, I mean, you know me, I'm the conspiracy guy and I'm the prepper. You know, I bury ammo in my backyard and everything. But, you know, what, are we, what do we do if the grid goes down and you've you know, you can only eat what's in your refrigerator for so long before it goes bad. And, you know, what do you do after that? So you have a zombie apocalypse, and then what do you do? Where do you go for food? <laughs> exactly. You can only raid Walmart so many times. But <laughs> Legacy Food Storage, what they do is they've got packages that you can buy for 30 days, 90 days, six months, even a year of pre-packaged food storage. And wow. I mean, it's, it's got everything. It's nothing that you have to grow. I mean, it is just pop it out of the pack and eat it. And I mean, they've got an extremely massive menu. But I just kind of, you know, want to kind of get the listeners kind of used to the idea because we're going to be introducing them here in the next radio season. Fantastic! That's brilliant to have them on board. <laughs> I, you know what? And, and I am—I'm I'm just excited. I, I'm just excited. But speaking of exciting, let's introduce our guest, and that is Doctor Claire Johnson. And we're going to be talking about lucid dreaming today. Claire, welcome! Welcome to the show. Hi! Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're extremely happy to have you. Um, so, Claire, tell us a little bit about, you know, I mean, we all dream, you know, for yeah. the most part, we all sleep. But lucid <laughs> dreaming, I mean, what, you know, what got you to this point? How did you, you know, what journey did you take to come here and talk about lucid dreaming? Oh, well, I've been a, a very vivid dreamer all my life. And uh, one of my earliest memories was of, Uh, a nightmare I had when I was three years old. I dreamed that I was drowning in a swimming pool and I suddenly had this moment of clarity or lucidity in this nightmare. I suddenly realized I had a choice. I could stay in my nightmare and drown or I could choose to wake up and I chose to wake up and I woke up by rolling over really violently in this swimming pool that I was drowning in so violently that I fell out of bed and hit the floor with a bump and my mum came running upstairs and I told her, oh, I had a dream that I was drowning. And she said, ah, well, that was not real. Just a dream. doesn't matter, you know. It's not important. Go back to sleep. Um, And that was a really strong moment in my life because I was like, well, 
how can she tell me that what I have just experienced is not real? I mean, obviously, I didn't think it in those words. I was three years old, but, <laughs> but I was still very confused by the fact that there seemed to be this whole other world that, for me, was so rich and full of so much color and sensation and experience, and yet the, the grown-ups in my life were telling me that it was not important. Um, so I, I had lots of experiences as I grew up uh, with sleepwalking. I had nightmares. I also had amazing lucid experiences where I would fly up over the family home and I would go and um, talk to kind of these strange uh, beings that I met in, in the hedge <laughs> somewhere in the bottom of the garden and they would show me these books that, that were like amazing kind of picture books um, kind of like spell books, you know, loads of uh, different designs and things in these books. And, and these were special. I thought of them as my special dreams. I had no idea, um, you know, I'd never heard of lucid dreaming. My family was deeply uninterested by, by any kind of dreaming. Um, but those dreams really, oh, they just, they helped me in my life, you know. Having those experiences were, was just so important to me. And then when I got to uh, university, I started having loads of sleep paralysis experiences um, and that's when you feel like you're trapped in your body and can't move but you're lucidly aware so you're kind of you, you feel stuck in this state and you often have very strange experiences in that state of consciousness and again I had no idea why I was having these weird experiences um, but I worked out how to get through the scary parts of sleep paralysis by relaxing and breathing and just trusting that everything would be okay and that I would come out of it or that I would go into a lucid dream. And I started having like thousands of lucid dreams um, because I'd learned how to access lucid, lucid dreaming through the sleep paralysis state. And I mean, when you get to that, that point in, in life, it's just there's so much going on uh, with, with the lucid dreaming and the sleep paralysis. I thought, I have to study this. Um, so I decided to study it as, um, uh, as part of my university degree. And then I went on to become the first person in the world to do a PhD on lucid dreaming as a creative tool. Um, and I drew on all my oh. lucid dreams to help me to write novels. I wrote uh, a novel, Breathing in Color, and another one, Dream Runner. Um, and I, that was my PhD thesis, was all about how we can draw on this incredibly creative, almost magical state of consciousness to inspire us creatively and to help us psychologically. So yeah, that's some of my story. <laughs> and then I, I went on to, to write books on uh, lucid dreaming. My most recent one is Mindful Dreaming. And uh, my great big book is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Lucid Dreaming. And there's like you know, basically 20 years of research in that book and a lifetime of lucid dreaming. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like I kind of have needed to do this. This has been part of my life's journey, you know, just kind of finding out more about dreams and discovering how deep lucid dreaming can take us. Wow, Claire. <laughs> that was... <laughs> um, and you have mentioned so many different words that people uh, will be intrigued by. And because mm -hmm. Kevin and I and, and Al, we've, we've interviewed many people who have talked about dream interpretation um, and some people that have talked, um, again, about lucid dreaming. But you've, you've said something very important, probably in your second or third statement. And you said, I had clarity and lucid. And then you mentioned lucidity being one and the same. And I think that's really important to kind of understand because that's yeah. really. That's, that's, that's fundamental, isn't it, in, into all of your study, is whether yeah. are we 
is the same thing? Is what does clarity mean within a dream? What what is this lucidity? Can you can you help yeah. us with that? Sure. So lucidity is all about awareness, and it's all about clarity. Getting clarity on the state of consciousness. Uh, within which we currently find ourselves. So a lucid dream is a dream where we realize that we're dreaming while we're in the dream. So, for example, a typical lucid dream might be that, um, I don't know, something weird happens, like say you you have a dream that uh, um, a hippopotamus walks into your sitting room and you think, this is too weird to be true. Hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure I must be dreaming. And then you suddenly realize, whoa, I am dreaming. And with that moment of conscious realization and clarity, the entire dream tends to become more clear. The colors kind of glow and seem to be imbued with conscious awareness. And um, it's the most remarkable state of consciousness because the dream is thought responsive. I mean, we would all have had that experience that we have a bad dream. And the more scared we are, the more scary the dream gets because it's reacting to to our own fear. And that's exactly how it is in a lucid dream. But you can use this thought responsiveness to your own advantage by interacting with the dream, engaging consciously with it, um, asking for things to happen, for example. So you can guide the dream. You could decide to... um, to have a, I don't know, to have a ride on the on the hippo's back, uh, or maybe you think that it would be nice if that hippopotamus sprouted wings and we could fly out of the sitting room together. You know, once you become lucid in that dream, anything is possible. Um, and you can also do all sorts of other things with lucid dreaming. It can be a state uh, where you can heal yourself psychologically and even physically. It's a state where you can you can find out more about the nature of consciousness than the the nature of the universe and you can discover all sorts of new things because everything is different in the dream world in the sense of like we don't have the same physics you know you can fly in a lucid dream you can slow time down there are even people who have improved uh, sports skills in their lucid dreams uh, which I, that's one of the most fascinating pieces of research that I've come across so you can really improve your swim stroke for example by practicing swimming in a lucid dream and then you'll wake up and find that your swimming is actually better than it was the previous days. They've done scientific experiments um, into this whole area of lucid dreaming. So really, it feels like it's a state of enormous potential. And and it is. Um, I agree with Julie. You know, I, I also picked up something very important in your opening statement that you know, when, when your parents told you, oh, it's, it's just a dream, it was very, very real. Like, you know, you mentioned that it was like it was a, a universe of its own. It, yeah. It, now, now, Claire, let, let me get your take on, on this because, you know, I, I have had a lot of dreams, like you say, that are just so real, but they are just so good that I want to go back to them because yeah. it was just so real to me. Yeah, now, sure. what if, and, and, and here's a theory that I, I'd like us to, to throw around a little bit. What if the dream world, like some cultures believe, is really is a whole world all its own? And, and we are actually in our sleep, we are traveling and experiencing that other world that really exists. And that is why it, it seems so real, because it is. Yeah, 
Well, I think on the, on the experiential level, dreams are real. This is why it makes no sense for people to dismiss dreams and say they're not real because, you know, when you're in the dream, it is real. And, I mean, let's face it, most of us do not become lucid in, our dream, in every single dream that we have, you know, because we're totally involved in the reality of the dream and we don't question it until we wake up, you know. And then we're like, well, how come I didn't realize I was dreaming when the hippo walked into the sitting room or whatever it was, right? And I think dreams, it is, it is another world. It's a whole different universe in one level. But at the same time, I think... We have to be careful about kind of making splits between things. I, I'm not into kind of splitting up different states of consciousness because I believe that consciousness occurs on a continuum uh, so that we'll go through many states of consciousness throughout the day and also throughout the night. But I think at the end of the day, it's all one and it's all happening now. So I don't think it's like another universe kind of literally. I think it's all happening right now. And so we can actually access any of these different states of consciousness, these dreams, these other kind of worlds, um, anytime, anytime we like. What do you think well, about that? I was thinking, I suppose when you were talking, Claire, I was thinking of something, um, um, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the consciousness. And I was just kind of thinking of my own experiences in terms of dreams. Because obviously when somebody's talking about a subject of this nature, what we have um, to kind of fall back on is our own experience and we relate to that mm -hmm. and then we make sense of it. And I was just thinking of those times when I'm sure we can all, um, we can all uh, um, believe or uh, think of a time when we're, we're led in bed and we're just kind of, we're waking up, we're very conscious of this mad, mad, weird dream state that we're in. Something mm -hmm. disturbed, we kind of come out of it and we go back into it. And I guess that's the um, that's the part about the control over the lucidity that that you're talking about, because we can make a conscious decision to continue that that being, that place of being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very. Sorry. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, I agree. That's that's a wonderful thing to be able to go back into a dream that you were having and that you'd really like to continue, um, and just and just continue it lucidly, aware. And this is also a very therapeutic technique. I mean, this is one of the techniques that I, that I teach in my books as well, is dream re-entry. Um, because, for example, uh, if you have a terrible nightmare, nightmares often finish at the, the moment, the actual, actual kind of worst moment of the dream, the nightmare finishes, you know, the, the monster's just biting your head off and then you wake up and uh, <laughs> uh, feeling terrible about it. Um, so it's really useful if you have uh, some sort of awful nightmare to return to, to the dream and try and see what's happening in that dream. Try and perhaps change it or see if it will trans transform spontaneously when you go back into it in a calmer state of mind. Like I said before, the more scared you get, the, the scarier the dream gets. So if you can re-enter a dream feeling calm and lucid and having that clarity of consciousness that we've already talked about today, then you can actually help that dream to change and that can be really therapeutic um, there are people for example who suffer from PTSD post-traumatic nightmare disorder yes. um, uh, and they they can have they have often terrible nightmares and they can go back into these nightmares and actually change the the end the ending so if you have post-traumatic stress disorder you can you can go back to the nightmare and change the ending in some way. There was one guy who was a Vietnam veteran, and he'd had a, 
an experience of his buddy dying in his arms um, during the war, and he was haunted by nightmares where this kept happening. You know, he kept on being unable to save his buddy. And then uh, his therapist uh, said to him, well, why don't you try changing that nightmare in a lucid dream? And so he became lucid the next time he had the nightmare. And uh, this time there was spontaneous transformation because he was holding his buddy in his arms, but instead of his buddy dying, uh, because he was lucid in the dream, he was able to say to his buddy, hey, the war's over. And his buddy stood up and he was alive and they walked, they walked off the, the field together. And that's, that, that actually stopped these terrifying recurring nightmares that he'd had due to this trauma. So you can change things, you know. This is the whole, the whole thing that I love about what we can do with lucid dreaming, that we can actually help ourselves to heal on an unconscious level by working with all this unconscious dream imagery in a lucid state. And that can actually change our waking lives. It can help to relieve us of fears and anxieties. It can help us to move on in our lives. It can help us to overcome um, grief after someone we love has died. So there are so many different applications of lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, here in a little bit, though, Claire, I want to get into the process of that. But as I'm yeah. sitting here, here listen, listening to what you're saying, it, does that work only in the dream or are you carrying that resolution that personal resolution are you carrying it into real life uh, for example you know if i'm having a, a a dream and i'm enjoying the dream when i wake up i'm like ah oh, geez well it's back to reality <laughs> but, you, you, you know what i mean uh. <laughs> but but if I I'm resolving a, a personal issue in the dream, yeah. I mean that that's fantastic. I, I've you know a, a, as you stated, you know with, with PTSD, you know I, I myself am diagnosed with it, and you know I, I have those type of dreams where I need to resolve issues. Yeah. It, but when I wake up, it's still a very emotional experience for me, and I'm like, ah, yeah, oh, cool. geez. You know, it, and it can carry on for a day or two. Yeah, yeah. No, you can certainly, um, it, it can certainly actually have a big effect on your waking life. And we can also work with our, with our nightmares in the waking state, uh, in another kind of lucid state of consciousness. Um, one of the techniques I've developed is lucid writing, which is where you focus on a dream. It doesn't have to be a nightmare, but it, you know, it does seem to have this healing function. I developed it as a creativity technique, but when I started teaching it in workshops, people kept saying, oh my God, you know, I've, just, <laughs> I've just resolved this nightmare with your technique, and I soon realized it had this healing application as well, so I teach it as a therapeutic thing as well now. Um, well, I'll give you an example. There was one lady that came to uh, one of my workshops, and she was really anxious, and you could just tell by her posture, she was kind of all bent over and really kind of worried and poor thing, and she shared a nightmare she'd had um, that she was piloting a tiny little plane through a huge storm, and she knew she was going to crash and die, and there was this big plane nearby, and this big plane really freaked her out because she thought, well, I'm going to bump into that plane in a minute, you know, what's going to happen, I'm just going to die, I can't control anything, and that was the nightmare. So we did the lucid writing, which is when you mentally re-enter your nightmare and then you write without stopping, without stopping to think, without judging, to keep the connection between those unconscious images and your conscious mind. Um, 
and then you write and just see what happens. And so when we went around the group afterwards, uh, seeing what people had written, um, the, the woman was, was stunned and she said, wow, something incredible just happened. She said, when I went back into that nightmare without fear, I was able to kind of enjoy the ride, you know, being uh, bouncing around in this stormy sky. And she said, but the most amazing thing was that when I looked over to the big plane, I saw the guy inside it. I saw the pilot and he waved at me and he was my friend and he helped my little plane to come safely down through the storm. And the moment we landed, the storm clouds disappeared, the sun came out and everything felt joyful. And she said, uh, what, what this um, exercise has made me understand is that I can learn to live my life without fear. And she said that it turns out that she'd been bullied by her boss at work. He was completely grinding her down and she was feeling really like a victim the whole time and very sad and depressed. And this, this little dream exercise we did had helped her to understand, actually, I can take control of my life and I can ask for help. You know, I can, I can get help from other people. I don't have to be on my own suffering. And she just felt like this was a turning point for her in her life. So just doing a little bit of dream work can, can really help you in your, in your waking life. Hmm. What is it you think, Claire, that prevents us from being able to lucidly dream? Oh, well, there could be quite a few reasons. I mean, something, sometimes it's to do with the, what kind of sleeper you are, you know. Um, are, you, um, are you a very light sleeper? Are you an incredibly deep sleeper? Um, deep sleepers have a harder time getting lucid uh, as a general rule because um, often when, when they sleep really deeply, they tend to wake up and, and not really have much dream recall. So it's very good to, to practice your dream recall and really get used to that and note down your dreams to get more in contact with your regular dreams. You know, I think some people have this goal of like, I want to get lucid in my dreams because it sounds incredibly cool. Um, and they're not actually doing the kind of groundwork of just communicating with their nightly dreams and, and just taking the time to, to remember them and write them down. So that's, that's kind of one way you can, you can change, change things if you're not getting lucid very easily. Um, and also, if you are a deep sleeper, then you could try having afternoon naps because they're a really great time to get lucid because uh, the brain chemistry is, is perfect because you've got kind of an alert mind because it's during the day, but your body is kind of tired. And so you just lie down and then you'll go straight into REM sleep, usually, usually rapid eye movement sleep, where we have very, a very active brain within that state uh, and very vivid, uh, quite weird dreams that make it fairly easy to get lucid. So um, afternoon naps are really good for that. Um, I think some people also have um, sort of blocks around the idea of, of getting lucid. I mean, I've met um, therapists before who, because um, I, sometimes, I sometimes teach lucid dreaming techniques to therapists as well, and, and I've met them who, if they've been kind of really into um, Jungian uh, dream theory, for example, they think, okay, the dream is sacred and we mustn't change it and we must let the message of the dream come through. And so sometimes that's a block to them getting lucid because they think, oh, lucidity is all about control, which is not true. It's not all about control. It's all about awareness. And I remember meeting one therapist who was saying, oh, you know, if I ever get lucid in my dream, I freeze, you know, I stand stock still. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, and she said, oh, because I don't want to change anything because the dream is sacred. And I was like, oh, I said, um, well, do you, do you kind of like not 
take any actions in your waking life? And she said, oh, yeah, of course I do in waking life. That's different. I was like, okay. And <laughs> I said, um, It's still a sacred <laughs> path, then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I said to her as well, well, how about dream work? When you work on your dreams, once you've woken up, do you kind of go back into the dream and change things? She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. And I said, well, you know, why is it okay in one state of consciousness to act and it's not okay in another state of consciousness and she just laughed because she suddenly realized oh yeah you know it doesn't matter she uh, of course you can uh, of course you can act in your dreams you are the dream this is what I've learned uh, over years it's like I am the lucid dream and it is me we are one and the same and so it's if I if I have a thought in a lucid dream the lucid dream will often react by making whatever it is I thought about just appear in front of me, uh, even though I haven't kind of wanted to, to guide or change the dream. So it's perfectly possible to, to just have that lucid awareness and interact with the dream in, in beautiful, amazing ways, and, and that can feel sacred in itself. Well, you know, you, you, you kind of segued me into my next question, Claire, and you knew... <laughs> I was just thinking, I think I've knew. got off topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's perfect. Remember, we're on a sacred path here. I'm not going to change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew this question was coming. You know, since we're talking about the power of dreams and lucid dreamings and the reality of dreams and, and how they affect us and we can affect them... You've got the old wives' tale that if you die in a dream, it can actually cause you to die in real life. Now, now I've got a theory on it that, that we can get into later, but I, wanna, I want you to weigh in on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, <laughs> the thing is it's a bit of a tough one to prove, isn't it? Because <laughs> like, if someone did actually die, they're not going to be able to necessarily come and tell you that it's because they, they died in a dream, you know? Oh, well, I don't know. Give you that kind of. <laughs> Remember, oh, you know, guess what happened last night? I died in a dream, here. and hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. They could send you a message from, you know, from beyond the grave. I guess that's true. <laughs> but um, I mean, I I know lucid dreamers who purposefully die in their lucid dreams um, as part of like ego death um, to to help them to become more spiritual um, and you know for self development. Um, and also to find out about what death might be like. Uh, it's quite exciting to explore that. I mean, I personally see death as a transition, not the end of everything at all. I mean, I, I've been exploring death in my lucid dreams, and I've, oh, I've, I've had some really wonderful experiences around that. It um, generally involves what I've termed the lucid light, which is like this beautiful, um, this beautiful light, which is like pure consciousness. And I tend to not have a dream body any anymore, and just everything. Do, I just dissolve into this light, uh, and I'm not me anymore. There's no more Claire. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just like a a dot of pure conscious awareness, and that's amazing because you feel like, if you feel like you're returning to the source of everything, you know, and there's no more. Uh, me and it or them it's just it's all one and that is just delightful and it it makes me personally feel that that is what happens uh, when we die that we'll move into or through this kind of universal light now you, you kind of just scooted along a, a really valuable concept there you said that you've begun to explore the afterlife through lucid dreaming um yeah basically so uh, let me make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm framing this right. 
it, you've actually seen the other side in lucid dreaming. Well, I don't want to kind of make that claim necessarily because what one could say is that what I've seen is my own personal create, like creative idea of what the other side is like, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I'd be careful about saying that. But I, I know that this has changed my experiences that I've had while lucid in my dreams and while experiencing this lucid light has uh, changed my ideas about, about death. Um, I'm not afraid of death anymore. And I, I know lots of deep lucid dreamers who, who feel the same way because you kind of, you tend to kind of develop this understanding that we are not just a body and a brain. We are spiritual beings and we don't need a body to uh, exist. We don't, we don't need a, a body in our, lucid, in our lucid dreams either. You know, we become bodiless. I'm often bodiless in my, in my lucid dreams. And there's this sense of, um, well, like I said, this just incredible sense of oneness. And like, um, it's not all to do with kind of imagery and emotions and people and animals and trees. You know, there's none of that stuff anymore. It's just like this, this other state which feels quite incredible. And I've worked with um, a, a, a lovely person called Penny Sartori. She's done a lot of work with uh, near-death experiences. She was um, a nurse for 20 years. And, yeah, so there was a lot of people who, um, in her working life, who died, and then, like, they were pronounced dead by the physician, and then they came back to life. And um, often these people would also report um, this incredible light, this sense of being completely safe and um, and totally at ease and moving towards this light and then perhaps come, like being sent back in some way or just being pulled back into their bodies. Um, but I think it's all one and the same. Um, I, I, I do think that the lucid light, as I term it, is like our base, baseline state of consciousness. It's the original, alive, aware light from which everything, all states of consciousness, uh, and all energy, matter, and physical forms have emerged. Um, I think that's what we go back to uh, at the moment of dying. So, yeah, that's how I yeah. feel about it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you broke it down for me. I mean, I wasn't challenging the concept. Um, I, oh, no, it's fine. Well, you can if you want. I won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, well what, I was, what I was getting to, I mean, when you said that, I was like, Wow. I mean, you know, so many people are afraid of death and they don't know what's out there. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, look, look at how the paranormal business exploded there for a while because people really thought that they were getting so close to answers when the whole time it was right there in front of them. And if you yeah. could actually explore the other side through lucid dreaming, I would like to think that, you know, us, mankind as a whole, would want to explore this a little more deeply. Yeah, you'd hope, you know. I really hope that people will want to explore it more deeply because, it, as I said earlier, there is so much you can do with it. And, um, I mean, it's just such, it's such an important thing. For me, it's always been important to know why are we here? You know, what happens when we die? Uh, all these kinds of big questions have always felt very important for me. Um, and so... What I love about lucid dreaming is that you don't have to kind of uh, just 
blindly believe some sort of expert who talks about lucid dreaming. You can go into your lucid dreams and find out for yourself and ask your own questions and make your own explorations and discoveries. And that, for me, made it really exciting right from the start, knowing that, you know, okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to forge my own path now and, and see what happens and be totally open. Um and I think lucidity in general dream lucidity helps us to become more open-minded, you know. I mean I <laughs> I've had experiences. I mean I used to think, oh, you know, dream telepathy uh, must just be an, a load of nonsense, you know. That's what I used to think. Um, and then I, I went to um, a conference of the International Association for the Study of Dreams, of which I'm currently president, as it happens. But this was years ago. This is like back in 2005, um, 2004. And I went to the conference, and, and there were loads of people there saying, oh, yeah, we do a dream telepathy contest every single year. And I was like, uh, oh, wow, you know, that sounds uh, really weird. And, you know, and they were like, no, no, we often get uh, some really good hits. It's, it seems to be possible, you know. And I was like, well okay, I'm not going to be closed-minded about this. I'm going to give it a shot. So uh, the way the conference um, uh, telepathy contest was set up, that there's, there's like four images that nobody sees, and they're in sealed envelopes. And then there's a telepathic sender who chooses one of these envelopes, um, and she goes off and opens it in her hotel room that night once you know she's far away from everyone. And then she'll focus on it and try and transmit that image during the night and everyone else uh, will try to dream of the image and so I thought okay I'll, I'll do that you know so I went to sleep and um, at some point I had a, I had a dream where I could hear a woman's voice shouting from these woods and she was shouting tree tree as if her life depended on it you know and I was like that's weird and then um, and then I had I kind of went into another dream where I was lucid and I saw the telepathic sender and I said, oh, hi. And I thought, I'd better not ask her what the image is because I thought that might be cheating, you know, even though, I, <laughs> even though I was in a dream, which is a bit silly in hindsight. But so instead I said to her, oh, I bet you must be tired trying to transmit the image all night. And she said, I've just been shouting the word inside my head. And I said, oh, that's funny because in my last dream I heard a, a voice shouting about trees. And she flung her arms out wide as, as, she, as, she, as she spoke to me, uh, like the branches of a tree. And, I, and we started talking about, green the color green and how deep and beautiful it is and then the dream changed and i was standing in front of this huge big leafy green tree and i was like wow this is so beautiful and i thought i'd better i'd better draw a picture of it because the conference people said you know if you have a dream then try and draw a picture um, and then I realized, oh, there's no point in me drawing a picture on this little pad because uh, I'm in a dream so instead i woke myself up um, and i wrote my dream down and then uh, the next day I went to the conference and um, there were these four images and I looked at the first one, the second one, the third one, they meant nothing to me. And the fourth one was a picture of the tree I had seen in my dream. It was a picture as if someone had walked into my dream and taken a photograph and it completely freaked me out because, you know, <laughs> this has never happened before. I couldn't believe it. So I put my dream into the box uh, of other, all the other dreams and I just kind of like walked away thinking, wow, that is really freaky. Uh, and then I heard that I won that telepathy contest uh, with, the, with the most direct hit they had ever had because I not only identified the tree, but also the methods that the telepathic sender had used to send that image, like, like flinging her arms out like tree branches and shouting the word tree inside her head. <laughs> so that kind of changed my mind about dream telepathy, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> 
I think it's absolutely fascinating, Claire, listening to you. And both Kevin and I are, are psychic mediums. Um, and just going back oh. to what you were saying um, a bit earlier about the uh, experiencing life after death, um, and, and I think very carefully and rightly you suggested that you know, you're, this could be your interpretation. A skeptic would say, well, if you're in a lucid dream and you're in control of that dream, you're able to then create your own afterlife. Um, and I, but I think what you are describing, and I'm sure Kevin, would agree with me is very much what spirits would um, give to us as information in terms of how they feel um, as energy mixing within the universe and not in our physical bodies as you pass and and then moving on to that kind of telepathy um, and how that links very much with what um, again Kevin and I would experience as mediums because we communicate um, non-verbally with spirit and with our um, so we absolutely believe in that possibility of transmitting information. Um, and it's very interesting that to, um, you know, all of those individuals um, in that um, conference would be used to lucid dreaming, um, would probably wouldn't be, be very new to it, so we're very open. It's very interesting to conduct the same experiment with people that maybe um, are quite anti um, mm. the idea. Just to see what, yeah. what would well, I mean, differently? well, at the at the IASD conferences, um, not everybody is a lucid dreamer by any means. This uh, this is a conference that's um, for anyone who has any kind of interest in dreams. Um, so th- there is a huge range of, of different types of dreamers. Um, and but but for me, what was interesting was kind of in a lucid dream, you're even more awake and alert. You're even more aware of oh yes, I've got to remember that I'm trying to work out what this this telepathic images so i think that gives you a certain edge over over non-lucid dreamers who may well of course receive information and they often do in these telepathy contests um but i think lucidity does give you the edge because you're simply more alert and more focused on your on your task you know so i think that was that was interesting yeah what, what do you think about um, those those individuals that would say we can enhance our lucid dreaming through the taking of medication or we can use devices to enhance? Um, well, I think that, um, some, I mean, there's been quite a few studies recently into galantamine, which is uh, a medication that can, um, can help with, um, well, it's actually an Alzheimer's medication, but some people have been uh, working with it to have more lucid dreams. Um, I mean, for me, I've personally, I've never, I've never used that. I've always developed um, natural methods to become lucid in my dreams but I think you know it's it's up to individuals how they how they want to how they want to go about it you know it's an individual choice for me what has always been important is developing a lucid mindset in my waking life you know so I'm I'm alert I'm aware I'm in the moment as much as I can be (laughs) although it can be hard you know but I try to be mindful and I um, I think that for me, that's more. That's kind of even more important, actually, is being lucidly aware in, in every aspect of my life, not just in my dreams, but in my waking life and in every other state of consciousness. There are so many other states of consciousness, you know, like the hypnagogic state, which is the pre-sleep state where we get loads mm-hmm. of uh, strange imagery and sensations. It's amazing being lucid in that state, and you can actually kind of watch yourself fall asleep you know or you can watch a dream develop you can see the building blocks of dreams uh, emerge beneath your eyes really and it's like it's just 
there are so many different states. There are out-of-body states um, or what some people call astral travel, you know, um, and also daydreaming states. I spend uh, a lot of my life in <laughs> daydreaming because I'm also a, a novelist, you know, so I do a lot of creative writing. Um, and I, for me, that's important is just having this awareness throughout all states of consciousness, you know. I think each state of consciousness is just as important as every other state. Now, we're, before we start crunching on time here, we, we've talked an awful lot about lucid dreaming. Uh, can you describe for us the process? You know, I mean, how do I go from just the average Joe to learning lucid dreaming? What steps should I take? Yeah. So, um, like I said earlier, the first and most important step, in my opinion, is like to start recalling your dreams and writing them down to create a connection between you and your dreaming, your dreaming mind. You know, um, the more you get to know your dreaming, your dreaming mind, and the types of dreams that you have, the more likely you are to recognise when you're dreaming. Uh, another thing is to develop the lucid mindset that I just talked about. You know, become mm -hmm. lucid in every area of your life. Bring mindfulness into every area. Um, and also, pay attention to your body, your physical body. Whenever you can during the day, just, just check in with yourself. How does it feel to be sitting here, breathing in this body right now? Um, because in a lucid dream, or in any, any dream, our body feels different, you know. It's much lighter, it's much floatier, um, and that can be a huge lucidity trigger. I remember one, one time when I was uh, getting into lucid dreaming a lot, I mean, because you'll find your, your dream characters will start helping you to get lucid, which is really lovely. Um, so I was at a party in this, lucid, in this dream, and I was chatting to a guy in a leather jacket, and he said, of course, in dreams we can float. And I looked down, and I saw that our feet were floating a few inches off the ground. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a lucidity trigger. I couldn't miss even if I wanted to, you know. And so I became lucid. So checking in with your body and seeing how it feels, that can really uh, make a difference. Um, also, you could do little tricks. Um, for example, I mean, if you practice a sport before bed, you'll probably dream about doing that sport. I know whenever my husband plays tennis in the evening, he ends up dreaming about tennis that night. But other people might find that just watching a sport like football will lead to football dreams. So if you, you can plant the idea in your head, remind yourself, the next time I see a football, I'm going to ask myself if I'm dreaming. So little things like that to help trigger your memory can help you to become lucid. Um, and also doing any kind of yoga, tai chi, uh, or meditation, all those things really, really help. They'll help you um, tap into the natural flow of energy that you have. Um, and again, you'll, you'll feel that energy in your, in your lucid dreams, in your, in, in your dreams, and you'll recognize it so you can become lucid. Um, so these are just some examples of how to, how, to, how to help it to happen. But I think it's important to have a strong intention, but, but like kind of don't grip onto that intention too much. Just kind of keep it light and easy in your mind and take a moment to vividly imagine what you would do when you become lucid in your, uh, in your dream. You know, have something like you'd really love to do, like, oh, I'd love to fly to the moon, you know, and then, and then <laughs> take that and really kind of vividly imagine yourself doing that the next time that you realize that you're dreaming. And that can really give you kind of uh, a lot of impetus because we, we need willpower, but we also need curiosity, fascination, and enthusiasm. Those are the things that help us to, to achieve uh, lucidity in our dreams. So what you've described, Claire, is something that um, 
you know, there is a starting point and a process with lucid dreaming to really kind of meet the full potential. Where do you think the fullest potential of lucid dreaming could go? Well, um, I think that, I, well, first of all, I'll say that some people are spontaneous lucid dreamers. There's no apparent effort involved. They just become uh, spontaneously lucid, as I did also throughout my childhood. Um, I think the the, the largest potential, the greatest potential of lucid dreaming, well, I think there are several, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I said earlier, I, I'm really fascinated by the healing potential of lucid dreaming. Uh, I think it can help us to heal ourselves um, psychologically. Uh, there are also examples of physical healing in lucid dreams uh, because we can identify the physical body by what we do in our dreams. And there's been scientific stuff on this as well, like fist clenching uh, in lucid dreams um, results in the same brainwave activity and muscular activity as fist clenching in waking life, you know, stuff like that. But we all know that dreams are connected with the physical body because we've all woken up from a nightmare breathing hard with our heart pounding and uh, perhaps sweating, you know. There's a definite uh, connection there. So the healing potential of lucid dreaming, I think, is really important because we need more healing in the world. And I know that lucid dreaming can help us to heal not only on an individual level, but also on the collective level. And I think that has a huge potential. And I also believe that um, experiences, as, as we've talked about with the lucid light or learning about more about the nature of reality, the universe, what happens when we die, um, connecting with uh, deceased loved ones in lucid dreams can also be incredibly healing and, and can help us to, to release our fear of death. Um, because, yeah, we, have, we do seem to live in this culture where there's a huge fear of death. And um, that seems a shame to live in fear when we can, we can just explore more and feel, feel more relaxed about what is coming. The only sure thing in our lives is that one day we're going to die. So why fear it? You know, I really do believe it's a, a transition and a very beautiful one as well. Mm. Well, Claire, this has been absolutely fascinating. We could easily, easily do a two, possibly three-hour show on this because this is such a yeah. huge uh, uh, amoebic topic. It really is, and I'm really enjoying talking to you too because sometimes, you know, interviewers will just fire questions at me and then they don't, like, give anything of their own experience. So it's really nice for me to talk to you, Kevin and Julie, and just kind of have your own take on things. That's really special, so thank you. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> In all our interviews, we sort of become test subjects. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, well, Claire, b b before we let you go, why don't you tell the listeners um, where they can find you and, and tell them a little bit about your organization uh, and any contact sure. information that you'd like to share. Sure. So um, I have a website where there's a lot of information about lucid dreaming. It's uh, deeplucidreaming.com. And there's a contact page there as well. If you have any questions about lucid dreaming or sleep paralysis, out-of-body experiences or anything sleep-related, then you can contact me there. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about lucid dreaming, then um, you could check out my book if you wanted to, Llewellyn's Complete Book of Lucid Dreaming. This is a massive book. It's like the size of about two and a half books, but it's fill, filled with practical techniques of how to explore lucid dreaming on a, in, a, in a deeper level. And there's a lot of science in there as well and loads of stories uh, from awesome lucid dreamers from around the globe. Um, my other book is Mindful Dreaming, um, and that's, that's just come out in the U.S. It's called Dream Therapy in the Rest of the World. 
Um, so yeah, um, there are the books and um, yeah, generally, I mean, I'm always really happy to hear from people and um, to get in touch with me if you'd like to. Now those books, I'm sorry, go ahead, Julie. On the back of that, Claire, and, and I've got a 21-year-old lad with Asperger's who, even ah. though he obviously clearly lived with me his whole life, he's had um, he educated me on lucid dreaming uh, some years ah. ago. Mum, I'm, I'm researching into lucid dreaming, and I said, oh, okay, and he knows I'm a medium, he knows I talk to spirit, and, and he totally accepts that, even though he's, he's very black and white with his Asperger's. And he yeah. said, I'm, I'm looking. I think it helps me make sense of things. Um, and he yeah. really reached into it and found a lot of benefits. So, uh, you know, for those people out there listening, um, lucid dreaming can help in so many different ways and so many different people. It's not just a, a kind of something that can excite us or, to, or help us to take control. It's something that can really help us to live. Yeah, it really can. It can help us to explore our human potential on every level. That's right. And, oh, and you asked me to talk about the organization briefly. This is the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Um, their website is www.asdreams.org. Um, and this is an association for anyone who's interested in dreams, basically. And we have these fabulous yearly conferences uh, where we have, we also have a really fun time at the end of the conference because we all dress up as a dream we've had. <laughs> and there's a costume <laughs> ball. Um, and there's also, there's like set five or set five to seven different tracks throughout this five day conference. So it's absolutely filled with all sorts. If you want dream science, you can get dream science. If you want the biology of dreaming, you can get that. If you want uh, experiential workshops where you can explore your own dreams, you've got that. You've got all the lucid dreaming stuff, psi dreaming as well. Um, everything um, so this is a wonderful organization that I'm very proud to be president of awesome uh, you got to be careful if you tell me to dress up as a dream I've had my costume would be rather <laughs> simple but anyways. really <laughs> <laughs> oh but but Claire it, it again thank you thank you so much for coming on the house of mystery and and sharing this with us well, thank you, guys. It's been my absolute pleasure. It's been a really enjoyable hour talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and again, b before I let you go, I just want to make sure that we've got this, um, this right because we're going to provide a link, and that is deeplucidreaming.com. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. Perfect. And your books are available on Amazon? Yeah, they are. They are. And you can find out. I mean, you can go on my website and find them as well. So. And I also have a YouTube channel with various um, little videos about lucid dreaming, if people want to check that out as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Dr. Claire Johnson has been our guest today here on the House of Mystery. It, Claire, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Kevin and Julie. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.